Hey everyone, welcome to the Balanced Dietitian Podcast. I am your host, Marie-Pierre, and for all my English friends out there, you can call me Marie. I am a registered dietitian with a background in psychology. My passion in life is to help individuals heal their relationship with food and their bodies. If you're tired of dieting and tired of restriction, you are at the right place. I'm hoping that this podcast will help and support you as you heal your own relationship with food and your body and give you the tools, the resources, and the knowledge that you need to finally ditch the diets. Every week, you will be hearing from guest experts and myself on all things food, body, and mind. I am so happy that you're here and I cannot wait to support you on your journey. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Balance Podcast. Thank you so much for being here with me today. I hope that you are doing well. So today we have Jillian McComb, who is a health coach and a body-affirming yoga teacher. Jillian is so amazing and a wealth of information when it comes to yoga and reconnecting to your body. I'm so excited to share this episode because yoga can be something that can be so helpful in the journey of healing your relationship to food, to your body, to reconnecting to yourself and trust. But there's also a lot of diet culture that has been infused in yoga in the last few years. So I'm really excited to have Jillian here talk with you guys around yoga and diet culture and how to start using yoga as a tool to support us in our healing. So without further ado, I hope that you will enjoy this episode. everyone welcome back to the balance podcast today we have an awesome guest and i'm so pumped to have her on so today we have jillian who's going to come talk to us about diet culture and mainstream yoga so hi jillian how are you hi how are you i'm great thanks so much for having me yeah thank you so much for being here can you tell everybody where you're from I'm from Edinburgh in, <laughs> I know you guys probably pronounce it differently. Um, it's Edinburgh in Scotland in the UK. Yeah. So yeah, that is so awesome. You are the first guest that we have from Scotland. Wow. I'm very honored. Yeah. I hope, I hope I do us proud. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I'm really pumped about the conversation that we have planned for today, but before we talk into the nitty gritty of diet culture and yoga, can you tell us, uh, can you tell us a little bit more about you, your origin story and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, definitely. So I'm an anti-diet health coach and I'm also a body positive yoga teacher So I, this is actually a second career for me. My first career, I was an interior designer. That's what my degree was in. That was what, yeah, I was, I was a 15 year, maybe more actually. And it really ran alongside my dieting career. I kind of feel like I had two careers at one time, like my dieting career and my interior design career. So growing up, I always felt like a bigger girl. I'm, I'm tall and I'm curvy and I hit puberty really early. So I started to develop early and there was a lot of focus on my body and I was but I was a popular kid I you know I I didn't I can't say I got bullied but I definitely was very conscious of my body and I was big into sports and then when I went to university the sports went out the window I started eating out I you know I was partying hard and by the time I graduated my body had changed a lot 
And I embarked on Project Fix It when I graduated. Like I was excited about my interior design career, but I was more excited about like fixing my body. So that's really when my like 15 year career of dieting began. Um, uh, So from like age 21 to like age 36. And it was really obsessive and it was food but it was also exercise as well so using exercise really as like this kind of aggressive punitive way of of kind of trying to shrink my body really um and I just became really stressed and disconnected and um really unhappy truthfully and um I was working long hours and I, I developed this kind of chronic backache condition and my physio recommended I start um, a yoga class. And I was like, oh goodness, I don't have time for this. You know, like this was just not part of my lifestyle at the time. If it wasn't about work or, you know, like sweating off like my food at the gym, then I wasn't interested. Mm-hmm. So I, um, but I began cause I was just like, I need to, you know, this, this, this actually isn't conducive to my like career. So I need to fix it. So I started a yoga class and like, that was really the beginning of a whole different journey for me. I slowly began to realize that actually I can move in a way that's peaceful and joyful. And I started to develop, I would say at first, it was like a respect for my body that I'd never had before. I was moving in ways that felt good that I was developing strength and and really I was surprised as to how it wasn't related to like changing my body it was more based in acceptance of my body and that's really what you know and I was lucky when I think back like walking into that random yoga class it could have been any yoga class it could have been any teacher but I happened to walk into one that was super inclusive super accepting of not just different body sizes but different ages people with different abilities and that I now understand is quite rare but I just I just happened to to you know luck was with me that day and um I became a really dedicated student and then eventually I trained to be a yoga teacher and I uh, that that was really, you know, the biggest vehicle for changing my relationship with food and, and healing my relationship with food, um, coming from a place of respect and appreciation and gratitude and acceptance, really. Um, and then that's, yeah, when I retrained to become a health coach and left my interior design career behind, left my dieting career behind. And here we are. That was... Mm, three and a half years ago now that is so awesome and thank you so much for sharing your story um I'm just like amazed that like this one class literally changed the outlook of your life right and not just this one class like you continue to practice but the fact that you were able to get in this space that like felt safe and that your body felt included as it was like whoa so much healing there like that is awesome Yeah, because only across the hallway, you know, there was like everybody else that was like punishing their body and the motivation was motivation was very, very different. And then here I was across in the studio across the hall and the teacher was, you know, just 
the whole mindset around why we were there was different. And don't get me wrong, the first few classes, like I was not flexible. I had such resistance to this kind of like, well, if I'm not sweating, it doesn't count. But I knew I had to be there if I wanted to help my back. And that was the gateway. Like a lot of people come to yoga through, you know, a spiritual path or, you know, I just, but for me, it was just like, I have this physical ailment that I need to fix and this is how I'm going to do it. And yeah, it just opened up a whole other world. That is so awesome. And I'd love to talk a little bit about, how do I word this? How diet culture can intertwine with yoga practices. And like you said, like you were very lucky that you fell into that class and not another one, because oftentimes we can see yoga as this other way to have a long, lean, Mm-hmm. feminine body and stuff like that. So can you mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about how diet culture and the yoga culture can kind of like mash up together? Yeah, absolutely. And and it's really interesting because at the time when I walked into that class, I was living like in a, I'm not, I, so I'm in Edinburgh now, but I was living a little further north in Scotland. I was um, in a much smaller town, which you would assume would be less inclusive, less kind of accessible and equitable. Um, that actually really wasn't the case. I think sometimes smaller towns out with cities are like more community-based, more, um, so I think that's one of the reasons I was so lucky. My teacher was um, older as well. So when I looked around the class, there was age diversity, there was body diversity, there was people who were injured, recovering from, you know, different ailments. Um, And I don't see that so much in mainstream yoga. You know, when you look at how yoga mainstream yoga is represented in the media on you know on social media and what we see are are young generally female generally thin white flexible cisgendered wealthy able-bodied people there's a very very narrow kind of stereotype and I think if I'd considered yoga before sort of as I say how I got into it I'm not sure well, I can't say for sure, but I definitely would have had a picture in my mind as to what someone who does yoga is. I maybe would have held back until I was in a smaller body, truthfully, because it can seem very ring-fenced for a certain type of person. And that lack of representation is a real barrier to entry. So um, yeah, how it shows up is like everything I've said, like in the photographs that promote classes in social media accounts of teachers and studios um, on their websites, you know, there's a certain type of aspirational body that's that's held up in these these pictures. And even when you go into to these yoga studios, the the teachers and the staff working there all fit the stereotype generally. Mm-hmm. Um, I've even been to studios where they're selling like clothing like merchandise and therefore a certain body it's like all the all the arrows are pointing towards yoga are for these type of people um and I was just so fortunate that that was not my experience but as I say since moving to the city three and a half years ago I very much see how that that stereotype is very much lived up to um 
and that is the mainstream yoga culture unfortunately yeah and I don't know if you have that where you at you are but we have um I'm talking about where I am here in Ottawa and I'm, I'm pretty sure it's pretty much in North America we now also have like yoga classes that are like fat burning yoga or like mm-hmm. extreme toning hot Power. yoga like yeah yeah and it's like this yoga practice is now like turning into like and also you will shred body and like mm-hmm. I know I follow people on YouTube too that do yoga it's like do this movement to like help your hormones with weight loss and you're like yeah. what the hell is going on <laughs> like what is yeah. all of this yeah I'm sure like the original yogis back in the day would be like really shaking their head at this going this this isn't why it you know we we founded this practice um but yeah of course I mean it gets co-opted doesn't it by by diet culture and any any way in which you can kind of um yeah co-opt a practice for the sake of um weight loss or 21st century wellness culture Mm -hmm. then it's gonna happen that commercialization of it um has happened you're right unfortunately yeah so can you tell us a little bit about like what's the alternative so we have this mainstream yoga that's knee deep in diet culture but what is the alternative to that like the type of yoga that you practice and now you teach like how would you describe that and what does that look like Yeah, I describe it as body positive yoga, um, which, I mean, even that term we know now, right, like body positive doesn't necessarily include everyone. I definitely see that on social media that even that term has has shifted from its original intent of being really inclusive of marginalized bodies to now just being a way of like, you know, thin white women feeling okay about, you know, whatever like you know when they bend over a little bit of fat roll like you know it's it that's what it's become so I'm divided with that term but it was what I used when I founded my business three and a half years ago but really it is based on inclusivity it's it's about developing a culture of of equity where everyone feels included so not feeling like you have to fit the stereotype um, in order to have a yoga practice. Truthfully, so long as you can breathe, you can have a yoga practice. Um, So I really try hard to, in, in lots of different ways. So as I mentioned, like how I represent my classes online, the um, words and the language that I use to describe my classes on my website, but as well as in class, um, I try to, as much as possible, reduce the power dynamic between teacher and student so that students start to feel that they have a sense of agency over their body, a sense of autonomy, that they are the expert of their body. I, as a teacher, am not there to squeeze a square body into a round hole, right? Everybody's Mm. bodies is their bodies and the practice should adapt to fit their body as opposed to the body having to adapt to fit the practice. So it very much is, yeah, it's more collaborative rather than, you know, I'm the one that holds the power and I'm the teacher and you must do as I say. Um, It's really trying to move away from that one of the biggest ways that I, I I like to do that as well is by using a lot of props in my classes. You know, you see a lot of classes that 
using a, a block or using a, a chair or using a strap is kind of like seen as like a crutch because you can't do the thing. Whereas actually, I de- definitely encourage a culture of props. We all need props. Our bodies change, our bodies age, our bodies get injured. We have different um, conditions that come along throughout our life. So how can we invite all this stuff in so that we are meeting ourselves where we're at, at that on that day? as we come onto the mat. I love that so much. I love like, I'm going to keep this quote in my head forever. Like as long as you can breathe, you can do that. Like there's no conditionality for you to be a certain way before you're able to move your body and that you like personalize it to you too, which is really cool. And a word that you had used was body affirming yoga. And I'm like, Mm-hmm. how powerful is that? Like you're affirming yourself, you're there with you. And it's almost like, for me, that saying is like, you're on the same team as your body and you're doing something together, which is yes. so cool. Yeah. My yoga teacher always used to say, even when I was a student, she was like, you know, you should never leave a yoga cra- class feeling less than feeling disempowered mm. that, you know, no matter how much or how little you can do, no matter how your body um, needs to vary or adapt a pose to suit you really the whole basis of it is about em- empowerment how can we feel good good in the body that we're in today with what we have as opposed to feeling less than like we're not good enough like my goodness we we live in a world where we're made to feel not good enough all the time when we come onto our yoga mat it is a place where we can find kindness and compassion. That's definitely like I, I joke, but I, it's true when I say that that little rectangle on the floor, my yoga mat is the first place that I learned how to be kind to myself. Um, It's really powerful. It is so powerful that you're like, this is where, yeah, you learn to take care of yourself and meet yourself where you're at. And I love that. It's like that, that, fluidity of like maybe one day you can do it without a block and then maybe a day you need the block but that there's no judgment regardless that one is not better than the other it's just what meets that need in that moment yeah exactly it's about reducing the hierarchy the hierarchy of poses the hierarchy as I say in terms of the dynamics of me being the teacher and someone else being the student how can we be on an even playing field I am just quickly stopping this podcast episode to tell you about a great class that I have for you. This is a free class, a free opportunity to learn from me. And in this class, I will tell you all about my top tips to leave the guilt out of your plate. So how do we actually stop feeling guilty around food? and reconnect to the experience of eating, find joy in food, learn to nourish ourselves, and feel good in our body. So in this class, I will take you through my step-by-step method on how I do this with clients. How do we get to a place of having food freedom and how you can do it too. So if you are interested in learning more and learning more about my approach and how you can also reach food freedom and body confidence, go ahead to www.thebalancepractice.com forward slash sign up. I cannot wait to see you in the class.
I love that so much. And I think like that relates a lot with like the healing journey when we think of like letting go of dieting and letting go of food hierarchy. And then also our relationship with our body in general of the thin ideal and moving away from that. Like it it all, it all interconnects in some way. Yeah. Um, You can see why it, it can have such a positive impact on someone's healing journey with their body. Right. If, if, it's practice in a nurturing and supportive environment, which, you know, back to our original conversation, it isn't always, unfortunately. Yeah, no. And I'd love for us to talk a little bit about that. Like how can this like body positive or body affirming yoga practice really help that journey towards body acceptance? And maybe for people who are listening, who are in the midst of that journey and maybe thinking about adding yoga in some capacity, like how can that be supportive? Mm, Yeah, great question. For me, it really, it gets, it gets us out of our head and into our body, right? So, so much of diet culture is about um, the shoulds, the expectations, where do we fall short? I think probably one of the most common phrases I hear in my coaching practice is I don't feel good enough, right? For these standards that are set by our culture. So when we get onto the mat, it's a place where we can get out of our head and into our body. So when we talk about attuned eating or intuitive eating, so much of it relies on our interoceptive skills, right? The sensations that we feel in our body, like what does hunger feel like? What does fullness feel like? What does satisfaction feel like? Well, we can develop those skills on the mat because it really is a, is is that place of tuning in to what sensations feel supportive and nurturing for us and what sensations feel disrespectful so once we move away from like you know the the kind of it's it's almost like like take taking your practice or taking a stretch or a pose to the edge of your range of movement or the end edge of what feels comfortable for you right so we can start to play with those boundaries but then also like when do we get into that space of it feeling um disrespectful and painful in our body so developing that like what's growth and what's actually um yeah disrespectful and what feels uh, what's starting to feel a bit punitive so it's it's like this microcosm of like life and life lessons but on this square on the floor we can learn we can learn so much about ourselves and that's when you think about the journey of healing a relationship with food and body it's 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 trying to move away from the judgmental space into the curious space and learning more about ourselves and how we respond to things and 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 how we feel mentally and emotionally and physically every time we show up on that mat we can just check in from that place of curiosity and compassion as opposed to criticism and judgment so it yeah it's um and it's a practice right so when we talk about healing our relationship with food and our body it's not a one and done it's not a oh you do this course and you're going to be like quote-unquote fixed um it's a practice you keep showing up like meditation like intuitive eating um it's practicing the practice of being with yourself I love that so much. And I'm like picking up three big things that you say that I think the audience is going to be like, oh my God, like mic drop, like this is so good. Like the first thing is like learning to listen 
and check in with your internal cues. Like I think many of us, and I'll speak for myself personally, like I was never taught on how to check in. Like, how does your body feel? How does that sensation feel for you? What are you thinking about? Like, what is the experience for you, right? We're often told like what we should do and how we should feel about different things. And everything is very external driven. And in diet culture, it's like that times a hundred because now we're telling you how you should look, what you should eat, how you should move. Like, everything is very external. So it sounds like even that practice and like incorporating yoga is just allowing you to learn how to tune in in a safe space on how you can start doing that and start trusting yourself through that process. That was the word I was about to use when I heard you say that building trust. Yeah. Yeah. Which we don't learn. And like the trust is like breach oftentimes when we're living in diet culture, which makes it hard And then also this piece of always curiosity over judgment that we don't need to judge ourselves for everything that comes up. We get to just be witnesses to it and acknowledge it and be curious to understand more, which is amazing. And then the part that it's a practice, like it takes time. I think Mm -hmm. a lot of us are very like goal driven, like result driven. We're like, I just want to feel better today. Like what can I do? Give me those three simple steps and I'll follow through. But when we can see it as like, this is a journey you'll be on for the rest of your life. Like every Mm -hmm. day when you wake up, you get to decide that you want to do this again. You get to decide that you want to connect with yourself and practice self-love and trust and all of these things that we continue to do. Yeah. The get to rather than I should right? I get to do this as opposed to I should do this. And, and you're right. Like, I think it's, I think diet culture is what tells us that we do something for an outcome. So when you think of dieting, it's very linear. You start at point A, you do the thing, you arrive at point B, it's very linear, it's very conditional. And there is a very specific outcome that it's all based upon. Whereas when we practice something like meditation or mindfulness or I mean even religion um, and yoga you're showing up every day and trying to surrender to whatever outcome is gonna take place that day right um we sit down for meditation and we don't know what we're gonna find we don't know if our mind's gonna be racing we don't know if we're gonna find stillness but we show up anyway and we show up and we keep showing up and we keep showing up and that's really you know when I think about healing my relationship with food and my body like particularly my body we live in a world that is always going to be telling us that it should be this or it, it, it could be that. And if we do this, then it'll end up being this way. And we really need to develop a resilience against that, right? So we can be quote unquote recovered or healed, but it also requires resilience to be able to withstand a world that's always going to be telling us that our body is wrong. So um, showing up onto our yoga mat, I think really, really helps with that resilience because as I say, it's just be learning to be with what is on that day. Mm, I love that so much. I was going to ask you and because I can hear, I can hear some of the listeners being like, all right, that all sounds good. But like, how long does this take, (laughs) you know, like to build a practice, to build a stuff to a place? Like, do we need to do yoga every day, three times a day? Can we do yoga once a week and see those benefits? Like how does a like body affirming yoga practice look like, like how long do we need to do this for? Yeah, good question. And 
it's you know even that question in itself it's it's interesting I get asked it all the time because obviously I'm a coach as well as a yoga teacher and a lot of my clients ask me this question and in in some way it's kind of like like what I just said it's like when am I gonna get the outcome when am I gonna see the benefit like um I think it's best to come into it with really no expectations as to what you're going to find. It's like, well, let's practice it for what it is and let's see where it takes us. And I'm really big on lowering the bar, right? Like we can really like diet culture brings us into a very perfectionistic space, a very black and white thinking space. And it's really easy to fall into the trap of, okay, so I want to do yoga. I need to like do an hour every day. And that's like, you know, that's, that's a diet culture mind for sure. That that's a kind of like perfectionist way of thinking. So I'm always for like, let's aim for C grade rather than A grade work. Let's show up maybe for 10 minutes. Um, and that might be once a week, that might be once a day, it doesn't matter lower the bar so that you can't fail um so it might start with 10 minutes I also think another good way to get started because if we aren't intentional about the kind of yoga content that we consume we can very easily get led down the path of as I say what mainstream yoga looks like I would definitely be intentional about seeking out more inclusive, more accessible um, yoga teachers or studios online so that you can actually, I think we need to see it to believe it. If we think we're not in a body that is a quote unquote yoga body, we're too old, we're too stiff, we're too big, whatever it is, we need to find these kind of like culture disruptors on, and I think online is a perfect place to do it so that we can actually see that, oh, yoga is actually accessible. It's a lot more diverse than what we're led to believe. So starting to follow people online, um, like I would put me in that camp, but also some of the teachers that I've learned from in the past, like uh, Amber Carnes or Diane Bondi. These are a couple of great, you know, diverse yoga teachers where you can see that actually it's not about perfection. Um, and then the other great thing that I think since, you know, if there is a great thing to have come out of COVID is that anyone who feels intimidated by the mainstream yoga scene well yoga's never been more accessible than it is now because most teachers have taken their teachings online so that's great we don't have to walk into a studio if we feel like that isn't where we're at and it feels too intimidating or overwhelming we can do pre-recorded classes online or if we show up for a live class we can have our camera switched off which has been a real um you know earlier I talked about barriers to entry. This is this is a barrier that's really been broken down since we've gone online because you can show up at a live class and not be seen. Um, it's a little nerve-wracking from a teacher's point of view, I have to say. But from a student's point of view, it means that there's no um, objectification there, like not even not seeing yourself on the camera. There's no self-objectification there. Um, and you can experience it in a safe space. Um, at home and you can just take your time with it and again I would just reiterate like seek out someone who's inclusive and accessible that's not going to make you feel like your body's not good enough or your yoga performance is not good enough in any way 
I love that so much. So I would love for us to tell you where we can find you and do yoga with you, because I think that would be so good for the audience to have that resource of if it's something that you want to start doing. I was actually going to ask you that, like, how does it work with the online world now? Like doing yoga, like you can do it worldwide, where all your students can be wherever, wherever they are in the world. Which is so exciting because when I, you know, I was teaching yoga here in Edinburgh. At, I don't teach in studios, but I, I um, teach my classes in a local like community church hall, um, which is kind of intentional, really, because like I don't really want to have mirrors. I want to have access to chairs. You know, it's 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 a different culture. But I was just teaching in my local community church hall, and then as soon as we went online. I had people from America, people from Germany, people from Poland, people from Ireland all over joining my classes. And that's that's the beauty. If you're looking for something really specific, then there's never been a better time because you're not limited by geography. So, um, yeah, it's super cool. That is amazing. And where can people find you? So my my website's probably the best place and it's just my name jillianmccollum.com maybe you'll put it in the show notes mm-hmm. um and it's jillian with a g uh jillianmccollum.com and you'll see on there i do um online classes and i also you can just like buy on demand classes as well so if you don't want to show up for a live class and you just want to buy a series of classes to take at your own pace then you can do that too um, and then the, uh, with my website, the only social media platform that I'm really on is Instagram. And it's just my name, Jillian McCollum. That is awesome. And everything will be linked in the show notes. So if you're thinking about starting a practice and maybe you don't know where to start, like I highly recommend go check out Jillian so she can give you the tips on how to do it without you know, being shitty towards yourself and shaming yourself yeah. into it, but just being kind and finding this piece that's going to be supportive in terms of healing your relationship with food and your body as well. Yeah, that is awesome. The last piece that I wanted to add before we get into our fun questions is I love the way that you responded to how we get to start in terms of not having this strict, like I need to do this every day for this amount of time at this thing. Cause this is another way that we tried to bring like the external pressure. Mm-hmm. Whereas mm-hmm. when we are allowing yourself to be internal, like that, I don't know if the word is motivation, but it just feels more aligned where I know that you're going to do it when you feel like doing it and it's going to feel good and you don't need to shame yourself into doing it. But isn't that the biggest motivation when we're doing it from a place of I want to and I get to as as opposed to this external place of I should, it's expected of me to do that. Like that's how I quote unquote failed at every diet and every exercise regime because it wasn't coming from a place of like an, a, a genuine, authentic want or desire, it was coming from an external expectation. So I think, you know, when we think of behavior change, it's, it's always more effective when it comes from a place of wanting to do it, that's more sustainable than having to do it. Yeah, a hundred percent. And again, you're going to build that trust towards yourself to learn that you can trust yourself in engaging in these behaviors, right? Like we mm-hmm. don't need to shame ourselves into doing all of this. Yeah. Uh, Jillian, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Like I, you are a founding of wealth and I'm so <laughs> glad that you were able to come here and to share and just like break some, down some barriers when it comes to yoga and to just be mindful and kind to our bodies. Like, I think this was a really 
really supportive and awesome episode. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course. So let's get into our fun questions. The first one is, what is your favorite food? That is so easy. It's Thai and Indian food. Yeah, I'm so blessed to have so many great Thai and Indian restaurants within a stone's throw from my place here in Edinburgh. So yeah, I've been to India, but I've never been to Thailand, but it's definitely on the list because their food is the best in my opinion. That is awesome. Trips where you travel for the food is like the best. Oh yeah. When do we get to do that again? Yeah. Hopefully soon. Yeah. Um, All right. If you could have a superpower, what would it be? Okay, so I thought about this, and I think to have everyone who is in a position of power to experience what it's like, even just for a day, to be, you know, to live the life for a day in a marginalized body, which I think that is the stimulus that we need to help make like systemic change at like an institutional level rather than, you know, a community level. So it's, I don't know, I don't know how that falls in the grand spectrum of superpowers, but I just (laughs) feel like, yeah, if those people in power could feel, could experience what it feels like to be in a marginalized body, I think our world would be very different. That is such a cool superpower in the first time I've ever heard. Ah, (laughs) Yeah, that is really, really awesome. Um, All right. What is your favorite way to self-care? So yoga, obviously (laughs) I mentioned meditation as well. Um, I also have an acupressure mat, which I love. I don't don't know if you've heard of, you know, like the bed of nails. Um, I love that. It doesn't on the surface sound very kind. It sounds a little violent, but it's so soothing. Um, Also, I wild swim. So like I outdoor swim, which in Scotland is even in summer is freezing. Uh, But it's really taken off in the last few years, especially among the body positive community. So I was swimming this morning in the ocean, um, early doors, and it's cold, but it is like there's no nothing else that takes you out of your mind and into your body more than wild swimming. Um, and then the last thing I'd say is like, cause I think we, we, we kind of, uh, picture self-care as being this, like all the, the beautiful nurturing things that make us feel good. But I want to put therapy in there as well, because I just want to like reduce the stigma around therapy. Mm-hmm. It's never the most pleasurable thing. Like self-care is often the hard things, right? Self-care is often the things that, um, we know moves the needle as far as our well-being, but isn't the most pleasurable. So I would put therapy in that camp. Oh, I love that. All right. And last question for you. What does balance mean to you? So balance means, I guess, when I when I feel balanced, I feel connected to who I am. So connected to my authentic beliefs, connected to my own values, my own internal values, um, so that I can use that as a compass, right, to make any changes that I need to change to find equilibrium, I guess. I love that so much. Thank you so much again for being on the podcast. It was a total pleasure to have you on and all of your links will be in the show notes so people can go follow you and learn more from you. Great. Thank you so much. I'd love speaking to you today. Wasn't this 
those apps are just amazing. Jillian is such a wonderful human. It was so great to connect with her and to talk about how yoga can be such a powerful tool in your self-care and how we can start approaching it in a non-shamey, judgment-filled way. So I hope you got a lot from this episode. And if you did, please don't forget to leave us a review. Reviews help us spread the anti-diet message and reach more people so they can have this transformation too. On that note, my friends, I hope that you have a wonderful day and we will catch you in the next episode. 